seconds. Be seated. Thank you. say anything? <laughs> I just want to flow with the Holy Ghost. Okay. 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 Sorry. Praise the Lord. <laughs> What's the matter? That meek and mild-mannered Clark Kent. Well, we want to appreciate you again as a, as a family. We're not really guests here. We're family. And um, we were reminded by your pastors that we had met 30 years ago, summer of 1987. They were the first. I was a single missionary raising support to go to Africa. I did not, I had not yet married. We were not yet married. We were not even really courting yet, but we were friends. And at that time, we were living in heaven in the same place. Yeah, it was a miracle how that happened, too. She was going to Costa Rica. I was going to Liberia, West Africa. And God shut the door in Costa Rica and sent her to West Africa. <laughs> So that in itself was, our whole life has been supernatural like that. Um, okay, thank you, thank you. They're able to get the program to work, so maybe we'll show it here in a minute. It'll only take a minute, but um, I was reminded that they were, this church was our first, very first supporters. They committed to $100 a month, which... Back then, it was worth what? more than $100 today. <laughs> to me, it was like 1000 um, And it opened the door for others uh, to come and support us so that we could go to Africa. But you were, <laughs> my recollection is accurate, you guys were the first ones. And uh, that was a long time ago. I was 20. You know what that means? He was first is last. Hallelujah. What does that mean? <laughs> he that's first is last. I know. Then. What does the last mean? Yeah, I don't right. know. Well, there you go. So we appreciate you, and um, the Lord downloaded a couple of things this morning for you, uh, for your pastors, but also some things for the body here. You guys have sung it and spoke it all already. So we, we really... We always do. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, when, you, when you're in a word and spirit church and when you allow the Holy Spirit to write the script, <laughs> it's just God sings it, prophesies it, preaches it. The theme comes out of what he wants to do and what he wants to say. And so it's already here. Last night when we unhooked, as has been already stated, there was a real anointing here. We were, we walked out in awe, amazed, and I woke up this morning with, with thoughts of what happened yesterday, so we're just going to hook into that, but let me just get the preliminaries out of the way. Okay. The Lord told us in prayer, what do you mean the Lord told you? In prayer, in the spirit, he said this was the year that he wanted to promote and have us highlight these two books. One is called Passing on the Move of God to the Next Generation. And the other one is a book my son and I wrote, and I didn't realize you had it in your library, called My Son, My Son, Training Up a Holy Generation. Because there's something going on. There's a transfer, a godly transfer to the younger generation that's going on right now. God's interested in that transfer being made in the right way. Um, and so these two books speak to that. Um, this one is, uh, the book is divided into three parts. 
um, one talks about the demonstration of the Spirit and how important that is in the body of Christ today, that it be restored to the churches. The other one's about the importance of the Word of God, how we need to get back to Scripture in many areas. And then the last part of this book talks about a new breed, if I can say it like that, a new breed of preacher that God's interested in raising up. And I took the prototype, Stephen. Stephen had a, he had miracles in the mainstream. They're all M's. He had a wisdom or a message that was irresistible. And he had a spirit of martyrdom. He laid down his life for his Lord. Think about those qualities and how they put fear into the regions of darkness. The devil does not want to see wisdom, miracles, and a man that's not afraid to die for Jesus. Amen. So that, that part alone is worth the book. But anyway, they'll be here for the day with the rest of the service. And you know what? This is 14 This is $12. Two for 20 if you want to get both of them. We'll just give them to you for $20. Gets, what, 25 a little more than 25% discount? Good job. That's pretty good. I like discounts. Feeling generous today on Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) Maybe we'll just give you the game. (laughs) I wish I could. Really? (laughs) What? Relinquish. Relinquish. Well, I mean, we've we've got five Super Bowls, so I just thought I'd share one with you. You guys got spirit-filled Christians. Okay, all right. I'm just, you, you engaged me in the conversation. All right, so praise the Lord. So can we show, uh, no? Yes? Okay. All right, we can dim the lights, and it's, it'll just be a minute, the intro, about 30 seconds, and then we'll, we'll show me opening the program for another 30 seconds. Uh, I don't think. I, are you in the way? Yeah, I can sit. I want. I can't see from there. I want to make sure. See the Arabic under my name. He's making it up. Welcome again. My name is Bert Therius. Welcome to our program, Beyond the Veil, where we are exploring the world of the Spirit. You know, you don't need a body to be to live. Uh, there are spirits. Uh, there are demon spirits. There are uh, angels. There are spirit beings that live without a body. As a matter of fact, if you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration uh, in Matthew chapter 17, uh, if you remember, Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus. Remember that? And they talked to him about his death, his decease that was coming up in Jerusalem. 
Well, we know that Elisha was taken up to heaven in the Old Testament. He was one of the few uh, that did not die. He was raptured, body, spirit, and body. Uh, but we know that Moses was not the case with Moses. Uh, God buried the body of Moses in a secret place beyond the Jordan. Yet Moses appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration as a spirit. See, Moses had not yet received his glorified body. Why not? Because Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead yet. Nobody can receive a glorified body, a new body, until, until, until okay, after that's good. Jesus I don't want to stop preaching on this stuff. So just and um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I didn't even know what was on there. That I probably would have showed another one because I, I got into that message real quick. I usually, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, just to give you an idea of what you're sowing into, thank you so much. Yeah. Can I just share something about that? You know, um, when I was growing up in junior high and high school, my best friend was from Yemen, Saudi Arabia, and so I and I wasn't saved. And I grew up in her culture of her family; they accepted me. You know, the whole everything they did, I became a part of. The only thing I didn't do was go to the mosque with them. I'm glad I didn't, but. Um, so when I got saved, um, she was one of the first persons that I reached out to with the gospel. And um, she started, that's when she started getting strong into Islam again, because she never was. We were partiers. We were, she was not in her Islam thing. So until after I got it born again, then she got into the whole culture of Islam again. And I took on a burden to pray for the Arabs and the, the, the Muslims because of her. And I carried it for years, even before I knew him. And um, I remember uh, that um, the Lord would speak to me at different times, but after revival came to my heart in 1995 in that strong way, and he taught me how to make intercessions and supplications for people, um, there was a time that our, one of my prayer groups went into uh, praying for, um, you know, the Arabs and the Muslims. And the Lord said to me as I came out of this, or even during it, I can't remember, he said, I promised Hagar that I would bless Ishmael. And the biggest blessing that uh, a, a people can have is the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so then my prayers turned to that. And, yeah, I don't like terrorists. I don't like all that goes on. But still, there are people. And there's a lot of people in there that he's going to pull out. And this is, this is where, and I have so, so much joy because one meeting um, several years ago now, before all this happened, uh, a prophet uh, stood in front of me and said, um, your prayers are not in vain. You shall have what you pray for. And there was the two things that were on my heart forever was the Islam them coming into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and revival in, you know, in America. And so I just said, you know, and, and now I look how he opened this door so supernaturally, and I'm just amazed at his ways. Amen? So I just wanted to share that this is a result of prayers and God hooking us up and all that stuff with it. Amen. There's a great harvest coming uh, from that. Glory yeah. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the earth, for what you're doing in the nations, for what you're doing around the globe, not only in Israel, but in among the Arabic-speaking people. Every tribe, every kindred, every tongue shall come to know you. Hallelujah. We give you glory for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can I open up? Sure. Okay. We're waiting. We're just waiting. Yeah. I, um, there's been something here this time, you know, and I, whenever we come here, I'm always blessed to be with a people that know how to worship God, how to pray. And I was just so amazed at the quality on Friday uh, night of the word that was coming forth with the Holy Spirit, not just the Holy Spirit, but the word too, because you cannot go into those things without the spirit of truth leading you. And he doesn't lead us into a lie. He leads us into truth. And so coming into this, this, this uh, weekend, when I got here, I told you how that this weightiness dropped on me by being by Carol and the anointing on her. And then the things that uh, I, I was so full to say things that Friday night, I, it's just like it just kept dropping in me. And I'm like, I'm not usually like this, you know. And But I knew that I had something to give. And I feel like that this morning uh, is, is a culmination of everything that's been going on. And, and he's saying, and there's, there's things that he has for us to do together that's beyond even this place. And, um, and so in order for that to happen, there's got to be some rearranging of some things in the spirit and in the natural here. And so I just wanted to start there that it was his dealings that were going on in my heart about this which he wants to do because this is not meant to be a secret of the Holy Ghost and the moving with the Holy Spirit. This is to be released on the body of Christ. And see, there's sometimes where you have to go outside of the familiar into the unfamiliar where they don't know you. And if anything, we've seen that in our own lives as God has been taking us and opening new doors for us. Uh, we, We went to California last year, Oregon, We've never been to the West Coast before, and God opened that up a couple years ago now and began to speak to us about something he's doing on the West Coast. And, and all these things are coming into Alaska. order. <laughs> They're awesome. We're and now going, we're, we're going, going to, to Alaska this year. God opened up a, a, a region up to us in Alaska. It's the <laughs> beginning. We made sure of that. End of the spring, yeah. They don't, I don't think they let you fly there. Yeah, get stuck in the ice or something. But uh, anyway, um, so I was thinking about how the, the, the order is going to go here and the things that he wants to do here and how um, he spoke to us this morning. And I just want to say this. It's for a purpose. It's for a reason that Pastor Ray and Carol are 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 coming into something and as you saw it this weekend I wasn't here but I could feel it when Lisa Lou came home and told me I 
the anointing was on her, and I was just like, whoa, how powerful was that? And I'm sorry I missed it, but um, obviously you didn't miss me being there because it was powerful, but I'll, I'll come, don't worry. I know you miss me in a person, but I just love how the Holy Ghost took it and brought it into the things he wanted to say and do. So there's more. There's more things coming. There's more changes coming here. And if you'll embrace the change, you'll grow to the better. It won't get, it won't diminish. It will increase. See, there's a pattern that the Lord has in the things. And he showed, do you mind if I keep going this way a little bit? The, the, this morning when we were praying, I was seeing how there's a transfer that is a godly transfer. It's not just a, a transfer that you pick somebody because um, they have all the natural talents that they need to do a work. And see, so many people transfer works to people that qualify in the natural. And the Lord was saying, I don't look at the natural. I look at the one who sits at my feet. I look at the one who's with those who are walking with me. And he reminded us of uh, how Joshua sat outside the tent of the tabernacle of meeting. And he listened to the voice of God. And he heard the instruction of the Lord. He, he was there in the glory. And it's, it's this kind of heart that someone's able to take the people into the promised land. See, he didn't leave them in the desert. Joshua was a successor to take them into the promised land. And, and there's things that you need to do for the body. And you know it, don't you? Do you know it? <laughs> I'm not just putting out something there that's just, yeah. And so, but God has an order in it, and it's all good. And if you'll receive what the thing is in next, there's going to be uh, people that come up out of this body that have sat in the presence of God and learned how to move in the spirit. And, and God's going to, you know, who was it that, that God picked out of Jesse's sons? The least. The least qualified in armor battle. All the brothers were all better warriors, weren't they? Yeah. But who was David, the one who sang psalms to his, to his God yeah. and watched over the sheep? <laughs> what a beautiful picture. And yet he was the very one who took down the threat of Israel. So we can't look with natural eyes, but we look with the one who's sitting and hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And then he showed, who else did he show us? Elijah and Elijah. How there was a double portion that came on him. And I know these are Old, exa uh, Old Testament examples, but there's plenty in the New Testament. And, and Brother Bert will bring those up. But my, I want to say this. Embrace what the Lord is going to be doing because there's a change coming. There's an open door of utterance coming to your leaders. And I know we're going to be in together in this. I, I never saw that before like I have seen it this morning. 
and it's going to be so much more received body-wise outside of the familiar places that we have been. Do you understand that? Though you receive them well, there are so many that don't. And that's God's business, but there is a glorious, glorious time coming to this body, to this body, and to what they're going to be doing. So embrace what is God's will and and pray for the wisdom of God in these things. And that's all I'm going to share right now. I know um, Bert has more to share, so I'm going to let him come in and... Let's lift our hands right now. Mm. For every godly transfer that's done in me, that's done by my spirit, produces the more, produces the increase, has a longer reach. For that which is done by the wisdom of God will bring forth fruit and fruit that remains. That which is done by the arm of flesh and by the strength and wisdom of man will not produce, will fail. That which is done by the appearance of man, by the talents, the mere talents of man, will not last. But that which is done in me will last and last and last. And so there is a reach. There is a reaching forth and a reaching forward in this place that I am calling you to. But there must be a release before there is a reach. There must be a releasing before there is a reaching. There must be an understanding of these things that it's not for the worst, but it's for the better. So when that time comes, you'll know it. When that time comes, you should be glad and you should rejoice. For I have more for your leaders to do together and even separately. I have more for them to do. There is indeed, as you've heard, a greater glory, a greater presence, a greater work that's before them. And when it comes, it's time to release it. You will know it, for you have heard it here. So rejoice and be glad, for the work of the Lord shall be increased, and the reach shall be farther than you can reach here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. One thing that I have liberty to share is that these forums are supposed to go to other places besides New England and New Jersey. We've known that, and yet we're not pushing it because if the Lord's not in it and it's not the right time and the right people, you know, I've learned because I'm a pusher, I've learned not to push. Um, and uh, so this is a part, uh, 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 maybe, I don't know if it's the bigger part or the smaller part, but I'll just say it's a part of what the Lord wants to do with your pastors and, and with us. is to. And so we just ask the Lord, open the doors, let it be in your way, in your timing, 
let, let there be a connection with the people that are hungry yeah. for the Spirit of God mm-hmm. and what, what the forum brings. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank Hallelujah. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll do it with you too, and when the time comes, it'll be right and it'll be good. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That agrees. See, there's agreement here because we were just talking about it this morning. We have a lot of different people over the years that we have ministered, done team ministry with out in Kansas City. We've done forums up in New England here. Different ones have come and gone on the panel. And uh, we have more agreement with your pastors than we have anybody else that we've ever done uh, a forum with. And that's not to slight anyone. It's just, there's, it's just God's plan. It's just the plan of God. And we have a lot of just, there's a trust factor here. And there's also a, a seasoned, you know, there's, we're, we're all, we're not trying to promote our ministry or toot our own horns. There's a real kingdom mentality here. And they've had it from the time I've known them. They're kingdom people. They're for all the churches. They're for the whole body of Christ. Amen. They're for the Patriots and they're for the Eagles. <laughs> Even that. <laughs> yeah. Even, for patriotic saints. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, patriotic saints. Um, and I believe God's raising up. You know, he needs kingdom people that are not just interested in their own agenda, in their own ministry, in their own church succeeding, but they're interested in the whole body. They're body-wide people. They're kingdom people. And these forums embody that. It is a kingdom thing to help equip ministers and pastors and churches, Mm -hmm. the the saints. Amen? Hallelujah. Did everybody hear that? Yeah. Bobby Jean Mert said that the Lord told her that she is only to go this year to kingdom-minded churches. Hallelujah. Yeah. And the Lord has put a similar word in my heart. And he used the term underground. This was about maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. He said, I want you, or maybe it was four. four or five. I want you to go underground. I said, underground? I mean, we're not like in Russia or Afghanistan or, you know, the underground church, China. But he said in America that he did not want us to be linked up with people that did not have a like-minded kindred kingdom spirit. He said, I don't want you to be yoked with those men anymore because there's a higher way. I want you to be yoked in with those that understand and move in the higher way. The higher way is what? Kingdom. And so that's what underground means. We go to uh, a lot of places that are just, some of them are out of the way places, 
but the people are hungry for God and the people are kingdom minded people and they love the move of the Holy Ghost. It's hard for us now to go to places that does not love the move of the Holy Ghost. It's hard for us to go to what people call seeker friendly, seeker awareness type churches. We don't fit. We don't fit in those places. We're like a, a square peg in a round hole in those kind of places. And even as you were not received here in this familiar place, in this familiar region, even so it has been with us. But now he is taking us, soon it shall be, in a greater way into the unfamiliar where people will receive you in a different way and the power and the glory shall be increased many fold because I will yoke you in with those people that are like-minded and the power and glory shall be great. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. You see, what we had here yesterday, if you, if you pull that out of here and you put it in the middle of the country somewhere, you put it in a big convention, you put it in a big conference, the receptivity will be so much great. Not that you don't, you, you certainly receive us, but when you, when, you, when you take that amount of people, a bigger platform, then the receptivity of it is even greater because there's more of a pull from more people in the unfamiliar areas. Our greatest meetings here in the last five years, because the Lord's taken us to unfamiliar places, our greatest, the greatest presence of God, the greatest glory, the greatest moves of God we've had in churches have been with people that don't know us. Well, that's just a scriptural principle. You know, Jesus could 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 do no mighty work except in his own hometown. Jesus, the Son of God, did miracles almost everywhere except in his hometown. Why? Because they were so familiar with him, they said, Well, this is who does he think he is? This is just the carpenter's son. He grew up and played in the streets with our children. Who does he think he is saying he's the anointed one of God? He's the son of God. And so he could not do any miracles in his hometown because of the people's unbelief that came through familiarity with him. So you can't be familiar. And this is, this is true in many local churches. You can get so familiar with your leaders and your pastors that you see them only in the natural you see maybe some of their flaws or some of their mannerisms or, and you miss the gift and the grace of God in a person that needs to be received. And I know you're taught well here and you, you receive the gifts, ministries that come here. I know you're taught to honor them and receive them like that. But locally, you have to be more careful. You have to be more careful because you're more familiar with, with the people that you live with, your, your shepherds. And they with you. They also have to be careful with you that they don't get so familiar with you that they miss the great things and the gifts of God that he's put in you. Amen. Amen. It goes both ways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm thinking about, and the Lord is stirring me about how, you know, how, how difficult sometimes it is to release something that you've given birth to in prayer and worked at and done your whole life doing 
and um, we've had to done it. We've had to do that uh, different times of our life where we had to let works go in Africa, and we just trusted the Lord with it because God didn't tell us to hold on to it. Other men had said, "Why are you letting it go?" And it's like it's not ours to hold on to. It's His. Not that we don't love them and won't pray for them and carry them, but we're not going to control. God has something else for us to do now. And so we left them in capable hands with, with leadership. And Russ and Wendy Tatro, when we turned it over to them in Gambia. And, um, but there's, there's something that um, is really important is that um, you've trained different ones here who are very capable of moving in the spirit and um, it's not that you're going to leave here this is your home always be your home but because of what you're called but there's also others in line I specifically one I know and uh, but I saw something even in them that was already an increase that I never saw before. And I heard that more happened yesterday. And I thought, wow, it's just the plan of God. And see, the one who has the heart of the Father is the one that he can change. You know, when uh, before I w we went to Pensacola, I had a dream. And I was in an employment line. Like, you know, I don't know why I had this dream because... <laughs> I was in ministry. I wasn't looking for a job, you know, a natural job. And I was brought, and I went to the back of the line. There was 100 people in front of me. And I'm just standing there, you know, just smiling, just waiting to, to put, fill out the application. And this person comes from the front where the doors were that, that separated whatever was there to the people who were waiting in line. He came all the way, and he took me, and he said, follow me. And he took me all in front of those hundred people, and they're all like snarling at me. <laughs> and I'm like, they're all, you know, and I'm like, I didn't do this. He's like taking me here, you know. I'm like, what are you doing? These people have been here before me. And he said, um, there's somewhere I want to take you. And he took me through the double doors into this beautiful office, and um, there was, uh, you know, like, you know, those executive offices, it was like that. He said, sit down and sit down. And then this woman comes in and she starts talking to me. And she says, and, and we'll pay you for this and we'll pay you for that. And you'll have this and this. And I'm like, I looked at her and I said, what are you paying me for? <laughs> she said, to pray, of course. And I said, oh, I can do that. And then, and then she took me and she said, and here's a provision for Daniel. She took me to this place, like a nursery. She said, there's going to be a provision for Daniel. And so I, I, after I woke up, I was thinking, I, I, m I remember telling him, I was like, what is, and when we got to Pensacola, you know, I was a prayer, and there was a house of prayer on the campus for the school. And I said, can I lead up some prayer groups? And so they said, you have to go see Nancy Brown. <laughs> I was like, okay. I wasn't intimidated by, I knew her from before, and but a lot of people, you know, she like put the fear of the Lord in people. And so <laughs> I, I said, sure. So I went and saw her, and she sat me down, and she started talking to me about prayer and what she, what she wanted. She didn't talk about pay, 
And, uh, but she said, okay, you can do these prayer meetings, these prayer groups, and train people. And I was the only one that was allowed to do that in the school. But there was many people who tried to get that position. <laughs> right? To lead. And, um, yeah, because even later there was some people vying for positions. And, you know, it's, it wasn't about that to the Lord. It was about my heart being just wanting to pray and be a blessing and to disciple people. And so there's people that have that heart in this church that are going to step up into new places. And though I wasn't qualified in the sense of, of, you know, years of, well, I guess I had been ministry, but I didn't see, I never see myself qualified. I'm always the least of the least of everybody. I'm like, uh, what do I have to say? What do I have to share? You know, but I just follow the Lord and what he tells me to do and what he's doing. And so I say that because there is um, that transfer that comes is going to be from those who have the heart of the Father. And it's not about their ministry. It's not about how they'll be seen of men because that kills. It kills the anointing. And uh, we've seen it through the years, haven't we? We've seen it in many works in many churches where, the, yeah, if you're, if you're done. Well, so now I am. We, we, yeah, good. Keep, keep that mic. Um, you've seen it too if you've been around. Uh, where you see works that are turned over from, from an elder to a younger, you know, from a Paul to a Timothy or an Elijah to an Elisha. And it's not as strong as it was when the elder had the reins. And I remember Brother Lester Sumrong saying that the anointing should double in every generation. And I said, when he said that, I said, but Lord, where is that happening? It seems like it's cut in half and goes, you know, diminishes by double <laughs> in every generation. Um, and even his own ministry, it happened that way. As much as I honored Brother Sumrall, um, the ministry's never been quite the same since he left the earth 20, 20, 22 years ago. Um, I mean, again, it's not to slight anybody. It's just to give you examples. The late Kenneth E. Hagan, a mighty prophet of God, when he left the earth, the ministry diminished in power. It diminished in glory. It diminished in effectiveness. Not because anybody's bad. It's just the, 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 he was a man of great stature. And, and sometimes you, you place the work that you started in the hands of men that God didn't really appoint to that work. And that's, that's easy to do. It happens all the time. Because men get in their minds, well, he's got business skills. He's got people skills, he's talented, he's charismatic, surely this is the one. Isn't that what Samuel said when they stood up, the sons of Jesse, surely this handsome one's got to be the one. He went through all, all, all his sons and then said, is this it? Lord said, it's none of these. No, there's one more little one. He's out in the field tending the sheep. Bring him. He was the one. So this is what God wants going forward. It's already here, but for you to be know this, that going forward, we see this work growing in power, in glory, and effectiveness. But it's going to grow in you and through you 
you're those little Davids in the field who were singing psalms and hymns and songs to the Lord who knew the heart of God, who knew the covenant that he had with God, that he was able to face a nine-foot giant named Goliath when all the other warriors were afraid of him and they were running from the Philistine army. David said, give me the head of that Philistine. Who is this uncircumcised? He has no covenant with God. Why are you running from him? Such a people here, though you're few in number, There's a heart here that your pastors have put into you, a heart for the presence of God, for the glory of God, for the move of the Holy Spirit, for these things, for prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Revelation from the word of God. Glory to God. And there's a, You know, we can't just wait for people to come and be a part of what God's doing here, although he will bring people. But there's a, the Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. Matter of fact, Daniel, who was an old covenant prophet, saw the glory on soul winners Back in Daniel chapter 12, those that turn many to righteousness will shine as the stars of heaven forever. That's how much God values soul winners. I am convinced that when, when it's our time to go to heaven, some of the greatest glory you'll, you'll see in heaven is upon the saints who were soul winners on the earth and turned many to righteousness. Hallelujah. And lately the Lord has stirred me up. I mean, I'm still an evangelist by nature. And I was getting comfortable recently just because, you know, you go from church to church. You don't feel like an evangelist because, you know, you're not you're not doing evangelistic meetings like we did a lot of times on the mission field and rallies and crusades and street preaching. And and the Lord said, you know, you you have stopped stopped being a, the witness. Your zeal has diminished. And he reminded lately, you know, when my wife and I pray together privately, the Holy Spirit's real, there's just been a new operation of the Holy Spirit in our prayer time. And I have a, I have what I call the prayer jotter. And I shared this here before where when we pray together, God says things, we record and then we transcribe it and we put it in a, in a document form, prayer jotter. It's coming up on 500 pages over the last five, going on the sixth year that we've, we've jotted things down in prayer. And as I go back over the notes, the word remember is frequently used in this jotter. In other words, the Holy Spirit would say, remember, remember, remember. And I thought, Wow, isn't that something? He, one of his functions is to bring all things to remembrance. And so when the Holy Ghost talks, he will often talk like that. Remember, he will take you in your heart, in your mind back to a place maybe years ago. Remember, he took me back to my Rama days, Rama Bible Training Center. It's now called Rama Bible Training College. When I used to fly home for the holidays like Christmas and so forth, I used to fly United Airlines, Tulsa, Chicago, Boston, 
And I used to always, you know, you go to the desk back before the kiosk machines and Internet and anything. Go to the front desk. You get, you, you, you get your seat. They would always say, do you want to sit in the smoking or non-smoking? I would say, smoking, please. Do you want the window or the aisle? I would say, if there's a middle seat, I'd like the middle seat. Because I wanted to be between two sinners. Because that's what, that's what I was going to do on the way home. I was going to share the gospel with people in the smoking section. Well, when, I, when I'm in the middle seat, I've got a captive audience. I've got one on the right, one on the left. I remember one time I had a, a prostitute on the right, and a, what was the other guy was this intellectual dude, like a, I don't know, some kind of guru or something. I mean, two, two of the wackiest people in the natural. And I got to share with both of them, and they were both quite open, actually. Conversational, engaging. And the Lord said, remember when? And then I have a friend, Larry Tomzak. You guys probably have heard of him. Larry's, Larry's been doing this for decades. I felt like I was supposed to bring, this might not fit, but it fits. The Holy Ghost is fitting it in here. But Larry has been, he has a track ministry for, he's now 70 years old, but he's been doing it for 40 or 50 years. He, he talks to people about the Lord and leaves them with something. Because people today, I mean, they're busy. They don't have time to engage in a long conversation and hear a sermon. And so he challenged me. He said, Bert, you need to do this. And so I did. I said, thank you for holding me accountable. The Lord's been talking to me about that. So I made my own track. See my little mug there? Smiling mug. It says, a moment ago, we just met. Was it a coincidence? And then they read this, and it's my testimony, my story, how I came to the Lord. Front and back in the back, there's a little picture of my, my little family, me and my son and my wife. And I thought, such a simple thing that everybody can do, even the shy person, even a person maybe that's not engaging, not outgoing, you can tell a person you can make an introduction. I, 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 I will kind of say it like this. Hey, my name is Bert. Can I, you got a, you got a, you got a minute? I, 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 I want to tell you my story. Or sometimes I don't even get that. I just said, listen, in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I just want to let you know that Christ changed my life years and years ago. I've never been the same. He's real and, 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 I want you to know that he loves you and he's ready to make himself real to you. And that might, be, that might be the only time, you might have 15, 20, 30 seconds to just make an introduction. And he said, can you do me a favor? In your own quiet time, would you please read my story? Would you promise me you'll read it? Maybe in your bedroom, even on your knees. Because it's, it's really sacred. My story is really sacred. And I just leave it like that. And then I start, I get their name and I, I, when I get home or even there, I write down their name and I start praying for them. Well, even, even right there, I will pray over the seed. I will bind the devil. I will ask the Holy Spirit to begin to convict them of sin, judgment, righteousness. And I thought when my friend Larry Tomzak challenged me, I thought, man, everybody can do this. What keeps people from doing that? What keeps people from, okay, we're each going to have our own track, your own story. You may not think it's so spectacular or dramatic, but it's your story. 
of how you came to Christ, write it out in a short version, print it. We put our own money in it. That was like a dollar a track. We started with 100 because, you know, start little, then go big. They wanted me to try to get me to order 500. And I thought, no, I'm going to start small. I'm going to sow these 100 faithfully first. But that's a dollar a track. So it's not, I don't just, you know, give them out, leave them in places. I don't do that. It forces me to talk to people because it says a moment ago we just met. Well, if I just give them this, we don't meet. So actually my friend encouraged me to do that. His track, I just copied him. I mean, my story is my story, but I just copied his introduction a moment ago we met. Was it a coincidence? And I thought, okay, this is so simple. Why do people not do it? Indifference. They've stopped valuing one soul. The love of God is not moving in their hearts anymore. Because when you're receiving the love of the Father, it's just naturally, it naturally wants to be released. You know what the problem is in much of Christianity today? Many people do not receive the love of the Father. They don't know how loved they are. That's why I was blessed by the worship this morning. It was all about the love of God finding us, choosing us before we chose him. A man that knows he's loved by God is a dangerous man to the kingdom of darkness because they are secure, complete, satisfied, fulfilled, in that love. They don't need the praises of man, the accolades of man, the recognition of their soul. They know that they're so loved by God that they are stable, planted and secure in that foundation. The problem with us is, and I believe there's two hearts, not two hearts, but two parts of every man's heart. There's a receiving part and there's a giving or a releasing part. People do not share the love of God often enough because they're not receiving the love of God. Even in the pulpits of America, there are orphans preaching to congregations every Sunday who need their praise, who need their affirmation, who need to make something big out of their ministry, who are in performance mode all the time, trying to exalt themselves and show their importance. They are insecure in the love of God. They need man's constant affirmation. That's an orphan, a spiritual orphan who is not secure in who he is in the Lord has to have his entourage. (laughs) You know, you see these guys walking into a conference, they have a whole entourage with them and they carry the man's Bible and the man just walks like he's, you know, he's the king. And it's like they strut. I think one great prophet of God said, beware of men who strut. (laughs) (laughs) Prophets have a way of saying things. You know, there's an arrogance. There's a cockiness. All of that is you are too, you are, it comes out of insecurity. You're trying to portray someone you're not. 
One of the greatest burdens that men carry, trying to be somebody they're not, trying to embrace people, trying to, trying to get people's affirmation and praise. And, but when you're secure in the Lord, you can sit down and wash your brother's feet like Jesus did. You can be a, a, a servant to all. Why? Because you know the Lord. You know his love. You've received his love. The love of the Father is something in the last few years that I've come into a greater, because a greater understanding of. And uh, I heard David Wilkerson say something, and I said, I don't want to be like that. He was a holiness preacher, which I am. He preached a lot on themes and truths that other people didn't preach much on. And the Lord's commissioned me to do that too. But I heard this man when he was older, he was already my age when he said this. He said, I'm not even so sure I understand the love of God. I struggle with that. He said this in an open meeting to other ministers. And I had a friend that was there. I wasn't there. He, he, told, he told me what he said. He said he was shocked. He was, he was blessed that he was so transparent, but kind of stunned that he would say that at his age, having been in the ministry for decades. He said, I, I struggle with the love of God. That's the way he said it. I struggle with the love of God. I said, wow. And I said, I don't want to be like that. I want to know the love of my father. I want to be secure in it. I don't want to preach the holiness of the Lord and not know his love and preach it from a, a place in a position of love. There's so many scriptures that reveal the love of God. One of my favorites is, is the story of the prodigal son. How many remember? I don't have to go into detail. The son came back home. The prodigal, the rebellious one, the one that went off into sin and riotous living. He took his father's inheritance and went away. The elder stayed home. And that's a whole nother story about the elder brother. But we'll talk about the father here. The father... When his son turned to come back home after wasting his father's inheritance on sinful living, it says the father saw him a great way off. Remember that? And before the son could even get to him and make his confession, it says that the father ran to his son, fell on the son's neck and kissed him and said, let's have a party. He who is dead is now alive. My son has come home, put a robe on his back, a ring on his finger, put, a, put shoes on his feet. I mean, did I say that right? Yeah, shoes on his feet. I thought I said feet in, well, it would have been right. Feet in his shoes, shoes in his feet. If you want a, a, a great, the great, one of the greatest portrayals of the heavenly father and what he's like, look at the prodigal son's father. The fact that he saw the prodigal a great way off tells you that he was out there every day looking for him to come home. Maybe it was going to be this day. And he saw him a great far off. It tells you he knew his son's frame. He knew his son's walk. He probably knew that he was under the burden of sin and he was probably kind of walking with his shoulders shrugged like that. 
He recognized him immediately and ran to him. Isn't that such a picture of the heavenly father? Because we as human beings, we wrestle with this all the time. I love the Lord, but I'm not too crazy about myself. And how can the Lord love me? Because I'm always messing up. I'm always falling short. I'm always failing. It's a vicious cycle. These sinful habits that I have, these things I do, I just can't get over them. You know, for me, I had a bad temper. And that was, that was an area where after I got born again, I knew, man, I cannot go off like this. I'm a Christian now. I mean, I'm saved. Why am I acting like this? I was so competitive. You know, I'd go to the racquetball court because I loved racquetball. And I would lose and I would throw my racket against the wall. And these people know that I'm a Christian. And I'd feel so bad. I just, I said, God, I'm so sorry. I just hate losing. God, I hate to lose. (laughs) And you know, the Lord does correct you. He's a good father. All fathers correct and discipline. But we all have things that make us feel a sense of unworthiness. But God doesn't look at that. God's looking at the heart all the time and he is looking at the image of God, the image of his son that's already in you. When I sat in a, a class at Bible school, that's where I got really free. The class was called righteousness. And I was a former Roman Catholic raised in a very devout Roman Catholic family. I mean, we were into works. Works, works. Got to prove my love to God. Got to prove that I'm serious about God. But see, we don't have to prove anything to the Lord. When his love is flowing in, the song said, love found us. He loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us while we were still in darkness. He chose us. We didn't choose him. That tells me something. He wanted me before I wanted him. See, that pulls on my heartstrings. See? And they taught me in this righteousness class, my Catholic mind, I had, my Catholic mind could not receive this. My heart was jumping, but my mind was saying, how can this be? They'd, they'd say, well, you're as righteous as Jesus is. And I was like, what? Because you're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He took your sin and gave you his righteousness. It's a gift. It's a position. You cannot earn it. And I was just like, I wanted to run around that classroom because I'm loved by God. I'm the righteousness of God. He loves me as he loves his own son. It's too good to be true, but I know it's true. I know it's true. It's in the Bible. I saw it. That was the beginning of a great transformation in me of knowing the love of the father. And even one of my early experiences before before I, I really, I, went, I even went to Bible school, I didn't know the Bible yet. But I remember I was sitting in a, in a meeting, a friend, a, an older Christian brother brought me to this meeting. And we were singing a song, the old song, He Has Made Me Glad. 
He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. You wouldn't think the Spirit of God could move in a song like that. But halfway through the song, I broke and I started bawling. I mean, I was wailing. And my friend, who was much taller than me, doesn't take a lot to be taller than me, but he was like 6'3", and he was looking down at me like, why are you crying? This is a happy song, happy song, glad, glad. But see, they weren't tears of sorrow. I was crying tears of joy because I had come from a life of fear and depression and drugs. And I even got, got, uh, I got put in a mental institution. Most people don't know this, uh, about my college background. There was a period in college where I was, uh, what, what's the word? Confined? Huh? No, that's not the word. Hey, watch that anger. Thank you. When, when somebody gets, uh, not placed, there's a better word, not confined, committed. There you go. And so my mind is thinking, I was there for a couple of weeks and my, my parents had to, had to bail me out because I just, they said I had a, some kind of a psychotic break. And the funny thing about it, what my wife is referring to is my frat brothers called me psycho after that. How edifying. But back then, back then I had fun with that. <laughs> I had fun with that. You couldn't imagine. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, that's what I was thinking about. When they were thinking, he has made me glad. See, I'd come out of that darkness, that depression, that psychotic thing that I had. So I was crying. But see, that was already the love of God being ministered to me. See, the communications of the Spirit bypass your immaturity in the Lord. You, you may be a young Christian, but the communications of God, we saw them here yesterday. They cry from deep to deep, from heart to heart. God communicates. And, that, and during that time, I could not really articulate what I was feeling to my friend. But the Holy Spirit was communicating that to me. How glad I was because I was loved. See, it was love that I was feeling. It was the love of the Father. I found you. My love found you. Hallelujah. And it's the love of God that has found all of us. And there's a, there's a scripture in, in uh, Psalms chapter 8. You all know it. Let's just, we haven't opened our Bibles yet. Let's just open our Bible to that in Psalms chapter 8. Thank you, Jesus. We're just following the Lord here. He went from soul winning to the love of the Father. Exactly. Psalms chapter 8. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Look at verse, well, just for the sake of time, just read it. We could read this whole psalm, but let's, it's also a wonderful and beautiful psalm. But in verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, 
the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. In other words, when I consider the galaxies, the universe, how great and excellent you are, Lord. When I consider all that, what is man? (laughs) What is man that you are mindful of him? In other words, what is man that he even pays attention to us? What is man compared to him who was and is and is to come? The Alpha and the Omega. The one who had no beginning. The one who created everything we see. The one who created universes that are out beyond what we, our own galaxy. They say there are many suns, S-U-N, out there somewhere. Light, they say, scientists say that light is still being created because when God said light be, he never told it to stop. So the universe is still being expanded. Think of just our own galaxy and the nine planets that we learned in science class in sixth grade. You know, Mercury and Venus and Mars. Think that's just one little part of millions, they say, of galaxies. Universes. It's just your mind can't take it. And then I, I believe this is what the psalmist is seeing here. And then he said, but what is puny little tiny man? in the light of the greatness and the excellency of God. And I started thinking about that one day and the Lord gave me this little illustration. He said, you know, just take the earth. The earth in in the center of our galaxy or the universe is a little tiny dot. You understand? It is a a dot. Then, Then think of the United States compared to the rest of the earth and the continents. It's still a small part. It's not, it's not a dot, but it's, it's a small part of the earth. Now take New Jersey. Well, it's getting smaller, isn't it? Now take the town that you're from in New Jersey. Glendora. Maybe somebody's from Barrington, wherever. Voorhees. Is that Voorhees or Voorhees? Voorhees. Voorhees? Voorhees. Okay. Let's stay in the spirit here. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so your town now, we're, we're down to the town. Your street. Getting smaller, isn't it? Not just compared to the, to, to the earth, but to the whole universe that the psalmist is seeing here. Now, the house that you live on, on the street of the city, of the state, of the region, of the continent, of the earth, of the universe that we're all a part of. It's getting to be a little speck. It's not even a dot anymore. It's a speck of a speck of a speck, your little house. Now, now, now look at you inside that house, maybe in your bedroom, laying down or sitting on the couch. Now it's a speck of 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 a speck. And yet this great and awesome and holy and all-consuming God has chosen to make your heart his home. That to me is the definition of Awesome. (laughs) I believe that's part of what this psalmist is seeing here. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. 
You've made him a little lower than the Elohim. The word is angels here, but you've made him a little lower than, than God. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. That's what God thinks of us. Let's take this a step further, though. People know John 3.16. Most every believer knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But that is not when God's love began. You understand, in eternity past, God already had love. He didn't have love. He is love. He already loved the ones that he created before he created them. His eternal purpose was to make a man in his own image that he could love and commune with spirit to spirit. Deep to deep. As we witnessed here in similitude, in parable form, in tongues and interpretation, God desires our communion. He desires to fellowship deeply with us. He desires a greater intimacy with you than you even desire with him. It is the passion of the heart of our father to have children that he could fellowship with on his level. On their level. It's just too wonderful. It's past searching out. Only the heart of man can know it deep down. For it has not entered into the heart of man. The good things that God has prepared for those who love him. But we can't really love him until we know we're loved by him. And that's my whole, the whole focus right now, the spirit of God, is he wants you to know how loved you are by him so that you can release your love to others. That's how soul winning happens. It happens with zeal, but it, it happens with excitement, but it also happens because you know how loved you are by God. And you want to spread that love and share that love with others. Hallelujah. It is simple. It is simple. Look at another scripture, and you're right there in Proverbs 8. Look at, uh, you're in Psalms 8. I'm sorry, go to Proverbs 8. We're not in a hurry this morning, are we? One person is not. Praise God. I know if the game is at one, I know everybody would say, uh, uh, we're, we're kind of in a hurry. Uh. <laughs> Proverbs 8, that's it. Verse 30. You know, this is wisdom. It's referred to as a she, but... Who was the wisdom of God? The express image of God, the express image of his glory. Jesus Christ is called the wisdom of God. So this is really Jesus. And it says, I was, then I was beside him. He's talking about his father. Wisdom is speaking. Jesus is speaking about his heavenly father. Then I was beside him as a master craftsman. The Hebrew reads traditionally as one brought up with him. 
Jesus is talking from eternity. This is a glimpse into eternity past. And Jesus is saying, I was with my father as one brought up with him. And I was daily his delight. You got to put your name in here somewhere along the line here. Rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. And my delight was with the sons of men. God saw you in Christ before you even came to be. He saw the sons of men that would receive his son. And we were already his delight. We were already in his heart before the foundations of the earth. Why is it that we have a hard time believing that we are God's delight? We are the Father's delight. We are the delight of Christ. He delights in us as we earthly fathers know what it means to delight in our own children. Whether they're good or bad or obedient or disobedient. Whether they have good days, bad days. We don't love our own children any less because they mess up. How much more? Will the heavenly father not continue to abound towards us in love even when we keep messing up? He'll say, you got to be careful, Bertie. People will use that as a license to sin. If people need a license to sin, they need to get saved. If they're looking for a license to sin, you're not saved yet. Because when you receive Christ, you receive a desire, a new heart that hates the things God hates and loves the things God loves. And you don't want to sin. And when you're loved by the Father and you're receiving his love, you don't want to sin. You want to love him back. We love him because he first loved us. Such a simple scripture, but it's the greatest revelation in the Bible, I believe. Hallelujah. It is awesome, Lisa. Glory to God. Well, you're still not convinced. Go to Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. I, you are going to be more of a soul winning church. Hallelujah. Zephaniah, where your pages are stuck together, where mine are kind of stuck together. Just go to Malachi and back up. I think that's the easiest way to find it. (laughs) About three or four behind Malachi. Zephaniah chapter 3. Again, just take one verse. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. This is God's relationship. I know it's talking about Israel here, but it's God's relationship to us, to every believer, to every son and daughter, to his church, to his body. He rejoices over us with gladness. Bible says he will, he will rest. It says he quiet, but he will rest in his love. What does that mean? That means he rests in his own love for us. He's satisfied with loving us. He's totally fulfilled in loving us. 
Even his love will quiet our own thoughts of feeling unworthy, feeling like we don't measure up, feeling like we're always failing him. Even his love will quiet that anxiety that we all have at one time or another. It will put us to rest also. When you learn to rest in his love, life is different. Your perspective of life is different. Your perspective of people is different. You're no longer trying to get, you're trying to give. It's not no longer about yourself, it's about others. When you get rest in his love and become secure in his love, and you get yourself out of the way, his love can begin to flow through you. You can demonstrate more of the heart of God that he has for people. Jesus often in the scriptures, before he would command anybody to repent, he demonstrated his love through his power often, through a miracle, through a word of knowledge. The woman at the well comes to mind. She'd lived with five men. The one that she was living with was not her husband. She was an adulterous woman, a fornicator. And yet Jesus read her mail, opened her heart, And she got so fired up, she went back to her city and told all the men, the one she had just met, the one who had just loved her by talking about her life. They didn't even know each other, but he knew her. So often, and I learned this as an evangelist, you really... And it's not a dogmatic, ironclad rule, but the principle is before you command people to repent, they got to have a reason to repent. And often when they know that they're loved, see, a lot of people preach it backwards, but I'm, I'm seeing this side of it too. When people know they're loved, when God heals somebody, of a disease, terminal, no hope, doctors giving them up to die, and all of a sudden God's power comes and heals them. That person's heart is turned. And you have a right to tell them now, you need to repent and come to Jesus. He healed you. He touched you. He loves you. It's easier then, isn't it? It's easier then. In Zephaniah, we see, to me, this is just a great, it, it, it provides us with great imagery of how God sees us. He will rejoice over you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That means his heart swells at your presence. See, we've looked at it the other way around. But we need to see it from this angle. His heart, just like your heart for you. I remember when our little Daniel was two or three years old. And one time he just come back from somewhere and I hadn't seen him for a few days. And he saw me in the drive. He got out of the car and he ran to me, Daddy. And he jumped in my arms and I looked at my dad who's old school and there were tears in his eyes. Because that blessed him. That was his only grandson. And he saw his grandson hugging and giving love to his son. And it, it, it caused emotion. And my daddy didn't cry that easily. But he was, I caught him. He didn't know I caught him. I looked at him and he was crying. 
Because, see, that's just a beautiful picture of the Father, the Heavenly Father. He delights, his heart swells. When he saw me and I saw Daniel, my heart, I hadn't seen him in a few days, and your heart just, it just swells. And that's how God's heart is. It swells so much that he gets a song. There's a song in his heart for us that is escaping, wanting to escape his lips. And he wants to sing over us. Another translation says, the last part of this verse, he will rejoice over you with singing. says, the word rejoice means to leap as one overcome with joyful ecstasy. That's what he does. We have a dancing God who dances over us with joyful ecstasy. He's overcome by the love that he has for us. We saw that demonstrated here yesterday. And that's why I came to tears because I saw in greater measure his love us, how he knows every detail of our lives, how he knows everything about us, the secret things of our hearts, how he knows exactly how to talk to us, exactly how to communicate that love to us. And yet you look at the world and the so-called religious church, they will not preach this kind of God because they don't know him like that. They know him as a as some angry traffic cop. They know him as some dictator, some hard taskmaster, someone that's out to punish you. As a Roman Catholic, I grew up in that kind of atmosphere. I remember my mom one day, I was doing something mischievous, and I was just a small little lad, maybe six or seven, and she said, don't do that, son. God's going to punish you. See, I grew up with that in the the Catholic doctrine. And I would say, I remember saying, no, when he comes to punish me, I'm going to run in the closet and hide. (laughs) I mean, you laugh, but a little child, that makes an impression on his heart. And he thinks thinks God's out to punish him. And yet the word of God says the opposite. God's out to bless us. He's looking for ways to bless us. He's looking for ways to help us. The Bible says he's for us, not against us. When you fail, you don't run away from God. You do what the prodigal son did and you go to God. You walk, you run toward God. Because he's running toward you already. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 3, I think... Finishing up here, Ephesians chapter 3. Instead of my hope for this morning was instead of running home and saying, fly, eagles, fly, you run home and say, fly, Christian, fly, you're so loved by God, fly, Christian, fly. So what? God rejoices over me. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 3. I'm so glad I'm secure in the Father's love. When people are coming down on my singing, that I'm off key. Lord, you said you love even when I make a joyful noise. 
Ephesians 3, maybe this verse will mean a little more to you. It's a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian Christians. And the prayer, uh, the part that I want to get to, it's all good. You need to memorize in this, this prayer and pray it for one another. That Christ, the second part of this prayer is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, And that's talking about the love of Christ, the love of the Father. You may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height of what? Of his love. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. See, the communications of the Spirit are heart to heart, spirit to spirit. It passes your mentality, your intellect, your knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The revelation of the love of God is the fullness of being filled with God. It is his glory. When people talk about the glory of God, sometimes we think, it in, in, we think it in terms of this high and lofty concept. Like the glory of God is like a manifestation, and it does manifest. It's a cloud. It's smoke. It's a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. That's a manifestation of his glory. But really, his glory, the biggest part of his glory, I believe, is this. When you are filled with the fullness of his love, that you have a revelation of being loved by Christ, being loved by the Father, because as he sings over you and rejoices over you and delights in you, you will begin to rejoice in him and delight in him and sing over him. And it's a love affair. And you're walking in the glory. You want to know what it's like to walk in the glory? You look at Heidi Baker. You look at Smith Wigglesworth. You look at these giants of the faith that have reached a point where they knew they were so loved by God that that love just spilled out to others so supernaturally, so naturally, common everyday life. That is really the great secret to serving the Lord well. And having a fruitful life is to know his love for you. Whether you have any experiences or not in God, like maybe some men have had, if you'll take this one prayer and start praying it for yourself and or others, you, I'll guarantee you, you will start seeing a change. These prayers will start manifesting in your heart, and in your life. You will start knowing the love of Christ. You will begin to be rooted and grounded in it. You'll begin to know the fullness. Though the, what does it say? It says here, the width, the length, the depth, and height of his love that cannot be explained, cannot be comprehended with just your, your little mind. This love will start getting into your heart by revelation, and you will not be able to sit still. Because it'll be so great, this love. You'll want to return it back to him. You'll want to share it with others. It comes by revelation. I think it's the greatest prayer we can pray for the body of Christ. I think it's the greatest prayer that we can pray for one another. As well as the other prayers that Paul prayed for other churches and Christians. 
Hallelujah. It's his love. Hallelujah. It's his love. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's lift our hands right now to the Lord. If you've, if you've heard this word and you've been attentive to it, the natural response is to praise him and thank him for his great love for us. That before we chose him or wanted him, he chose us and wanted us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. May we come to a place in our lives where we are more and more secure in this love. Thank you, Father. That's my prayer for this entire congregation, those that are here, those that are not here, that they would know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that they might be filled with all the fullness of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. 